originally I was going to talk with the guys over at Locked On Reds, but uh, another canceled game. Feels like every third game is getting canceled right now for the Guardians. Uh, disappointing for fans. It is rescheduled. Luckily, there's an off day tomorrow. We are going to talk some prospects, preview the Tigers, and maybe get a little bit of maybe the top 10 picks mocked for this year's 2022 draft, all on today's episode of Locked On Guardians. You are Locked On Guardians, your daily podcast on the Cleveland Guardians. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Locked On Guardians. I'm your host, Jeff Ellis, formerly of Scout, formerly of 24-7, where I was a prospect and draft analyst. Uh, before that, I've, and you know, since then, appeared on pretty much any Cleveland sports blog you have read at some point in time. I, I want to thank you for making Lockdown Guardians your first listen today and every day, wherever it is that you get podcasts. Uh, I still want to say I am anti-sliding into first base. Just going to keep keep hitting that one on the head. Uh, hitting that on the head? I don't think that's what I want. Um, listen, I got about two hours of sleep last night, so I'm operating at a very, uh, not tired, but it's going to be a fun night because you get that like energy of someone who's uh, a little bit slap happy. Uh, let's, you know, today's show, I kind of threw it out there, some ideas of things to talk about. Wanted to see what the, the Twitterverse would respond and say. Because, like I said, originally this was going to be a crossover episode. Unfortunately, that did not come together. I've been kind of itching to talk draft. In my own time, baseball-wise, that's where my focus has been. Uh, but unfortunately for me, uh, it feels like the Cleveland fans just aren't that interested, which is a little bit mind-boggling for me, just because I'm 40. And it feels like, you know, the draft was essentially like crucial to every sport growing up. Uh, you're always looking forward to that draft. But uh, yeah, it's it just doesn't have the attention. Um, I think it's because honestly, because the Guardians haven't picked high in a long time. They've been good. They haven't had that like full rebuild. There's not the excitement when you have a middling pick. It reminds me of when I was a Cavs fan in the 90s. And, you know, a thing I commonly heard was like, why do they have to be like just this mid-level team? Right, like they're never bad enough to get anyone good, and they're never good enough to make it out of the first round. Uh, I I remember those days. Uh, is that where the Guardians are right now? I mean, there could be some degree of it, but let's let's get into the preview side of things. So the Detroit Tigers are on deck. Detroit is currently last in the division at thirteen and twenty-five with a point nine. They don't even have a one percent chance to make the playoffs right now. They were the team I thought was going to compete in this division. I thought they were going to take a massive step forward. That has not happened. They went out and spent uh, in free agency. Many people considered them one of the big winners in free agency in this division. I was one of those people. Uh, So what has gone wrong for this Tigers team? And when you are playing this poorly, it's everything. How about the fact that the highest war on the team uh, belongs to Willie Castro in his 60 plate appearances? Uh, after the down year a year ago, he's rebounded nicely when given opportunities, appearing in 21 games, 60 played appearances, 0.4 war. Austin Meadows has played well. Uh, he's been very much Austin Meadows. Uh, you know, the, the, he's weirdly not striking out, but, the you know, good defense, bad offense. Uh, Javi Baez has been okay. I think you'd expect more. And then, I mean, everyone else has just been atrocious. Uh, the rookies have been bad. 
there's no way around. Like Spencer Torkelson had a 68 runs created plus with 118 plate appearances. Uh, and this is the thing. Like rookies, it's very rarely a straight line. How often do I say that? A lot. But it's because it's true. And it's just one of those things that player production, uh, you can't sit back and just expect everyone to follow a typical curve. It doesn't always work that way. And there's a lot of... Because, I mean, if that was the case, Matt Laporta would have hit 300 home runs for the Guardians. It's just some... Not to say that Torkelson is going to turn to Laporta. There's a small likelihood of that. More to say that, you know, he may not find success in year one. He may not find success in year two. Uh, I always think about Justin Smoke when he was the top first base prospect in baseball. It took him until he was almost 30 to eventually find success um, with Toronto, right? Where he finally had a good run for a few years there. But, again, this isn't to say Torkelson's like on any of those paths. We'll have to see. But just, again, you, you never know. As much as we get excited about prospects, uh, it's kind of like when people ask me why you know, I get a lot more conservative with prospect evaluation and draft picks, why I'm not just a, a ceiling reacher. It's because uh, the your, your outcomes are so – it's so hard to get anything. It's so hard for – any success at all that I end up just looking for players. That I feel like are pretty safe routes to major leaguers. Uh, Cause getting a safe future major leaguer is, uh, is fantastic. You know, it's, that's, that's, it's such a money saver. Even if they're just about league average, that's still a huge money saver overall for an organization. Uh, Robbie Grossman's fallen back. I mean, it's just, it's everyone. Miguel Cabrera, you know, has had the statistical numbers. He's actually got a good um, runs created plus, but he's been so bad defensively. He's bringing no value to them. Offensively, this whole lineup has been a disaster for them. And in terms of pitching, like Tarek Skubal, who I really liked out of was he at the University of Seattle. I remember when he was hurt. I, some team drafted him, and I can't think who it was. Like the 11th round, I'm like, oh, they might actually sign him. That's a great thing because he was hurt. And, you know, he had a – again, let's talk about non-traditional – uh, curves. He had a kind of a rough year last year as a rookie. He's been really good. 1.5 WAR, a FIP of 2.07, uh, an ERA of 2.5, and he's got a bad bat pip. So he's actually been unlucky. Uh, Scooble's been excellent. He's looked like maybe the future ace of this team. Casey Mize, who finally kind of lived up to the hype a year ago, is is struggled out of the gate for them. Eduardo Rodriguez has been good but not great. Um, but, I mean, solid. I don't think there's any buyer's remorse there. Uh, I love seeing Alex Fajardo in the big leagues. Anyone who has followed me for years knows, like, I was all in on Fajardo from Florida. That was one of my favorite draft picks when the Tigers drafted him in the middle of the first round. The fastball slider combo, I thought, would make him at least an, uh, a decent reliever. It's been a process, you know, for him to get here. But the fact that he's had 15 innings in the big leagues, uh, I like. Uh, it, there's... You know, Matt Manning's numbers aren't bad uh, either. You know, Fajardo, he's got numbers that show that he should be sticking around. I've had a lot of, you know, Alex Lang's FIP is fantastic in uh, 13 innings. They have a lot of interesting arms. Problem is, you know, Mize, and Mize's FIP isn't terrible at 4.18. Pineda, you know, they're hoping some more depth. That hasn't worked out. Um, Some of the other guys who have been kind of back-endy types, and the bullpen is just not good. But let's do our position-by-position position preview. Let's just go through and compare these two squads. So you got Hedges, a catcher, has been the primor- primordial. Nope. <laughs> the primary catcher for the Guardians over for the Tigers. Uh, it, Tucker Barnhart. Uh, I pulled up the wrong page. But luckily I know it's Tucker Barnhart. 
Uh, Barnhart has not been great for them, but he's still been better than Hedges, at least like his offensive production and 86 runs created. His defensive rating, you know, he's he's just he's solid. He's said he's no Hedges, but he gives he's a you know a better producer. So that's advantage Detroit. Moving to first base, Owen Miller has been really really good this year primarily manning things at first base has been Spencer Torkelson, who has been very bad this year. So that's advantage Cleveland. We already balance things out. Second base, Jonathan uh, Scope has been, you know, all right, I want to say. You know, he didn't have the worst run. No, he's been awful. So I had that wrong. So his, uh, his he had a positive, that's right, I can because his war is positive. But he's been awful offensively, but he's been really good defensively. Uh, Cleveland's primary second baseman, with Naylor out has been, I was just seeing, is it, it's been more uh, Jimenez, who's been, you know, fantastic. So that's advantage Cleveland. Shortstop, uh, Rosario has not been good, like offensively or defensively. Detroit has Javi Baez. Uh, he has been better. Advantage Detroit. So things have uh, you know, already balanced out. Going to third base, advantage Cleveland. Uh, Candelario has been disappointing, and Jose is Jose. Let's go into the outfield. Uh, center field for Cleveland. Miles Straw, Derek Hill has been the primary center fielder for Detroit. He is a strong glove, no bat. Uh, you know, again, a guy I'm kind of good for him. I'm making to the big leagues. It took him a while to get there, but he is all glove, no stick. Um, he is their version of Austin Hedges. So that is advantage Cleveland, two point lead. Talk about the corners, the fringes here. Uh, left field, the primary left fielder has been Willie Castro who, you know, he was really good in 2020. He was awful last year. Uh, for Cleveland, their primary left fielder this week, uh, you know, let's see what Richie Palacios had two games out there. Mercado had three in right, and Quan had, I guess we're going to call Quan the left fielder. Right now, that's advantage Detroit. Uh, you know, if you're just looking at total production, 138 runs created plus for Castro with a .4 war. Coming over here to Cleveland when it comes to Quan, as he's you know he's cooled off. He's at a .5 WAR, but a 127 runs created plus. Still a solid numbers, but Castro's just been better um, in a smaller smaller thing. So if we're just looking at you know, who's more likely to produce in the series, it's Castro. So a one point lead for Cleveland as we go to discuss right field, where um, you're going to talk Oscar Mercado going up against. <laughs> excuse me Robbie Grossman now Grossman's been really really not so good this year uh, his overall production uh, 86 runs created plus so below average with bad defense now you know I say he's been bad in 86 with bad defense we come over and we talk about Mercado here who's been the starter for Cleveland since Naylor went on the you know, disabled list Mercado has a 91 with slightly not as bad defense uh, of ratings over fan graphs. So that's advantage Cleveland by the smallest of margins, but still an advantage. It's a two-point advantage, then you move to DH. Right now, uh, Miggy is better than Fran Mill. Overall, maybe not, but right now in terms of production, that's advantage to Detroit. So uh, what? At the end of the day, it's like catcher and first cancel out. Shortstop and second base cancel out. Third and DH cancel out. Center The corners cancel each other out. One point advantage in center field for Cleveland. Starting rotation is right now advantage Detroit. Eduardo Rodriguez has been solid. Tarek Skubal has been excellent. Uh, he is the best pitcher no one is talking about. He is 
last year at this time. By the way, that title belonged to, um, let me look at his name as I'm forgetting, Spencer Turnbull. Uh, but that, I mean, look at their injured list right now. Pineda, 15-day disabled list. Turnbull had Tommy John, so he's on the 60. Casey Mize, 10-day disabled list. Matt Manning, 10-day disabled list. Taylor Alexander, 10-day disabled list. Going further down, Kyle Funkhauser, 60-day. Jose Cisneros, 60-day. They're also down Austin Meadows. We won't see him in this series with a vertigo. That's always scary when that pops up because you don't know when it's going to go away. And it's also interesting because, like, that's also what Clint Frazier had. Like, those are the two Georgia kids in the same draft class who are always compared against each other, and now they both had the same weird injury. Uh, Victor Reyes, who's been good bat, no glove for them, is out there. And Jake Rogers, the rare Tommy John for a non-pitcher. But yeah, uh, Fayetteo's been all right. Uh, I'm going to be, you know, I wish he was pitching this weekend. Or no, he is pitching this weekend. He's pitching Saturday against Bieber. It's probably the game I'm most intrigued to watch just because, you know, for me, I'm like, I'm going to want Friday. It's about seeing Scooble because I don't have a lot of faith in Savale. Fayetteo, Bieber, that's great. And then I don't know Brisky as well. Uh, McKenzie, of course, is fun to watch. But this is the one that has me both sides of the ticket are interesting to watch. In this weekend series, Scooble, Fayetto, Brisky versus Mackenzie, Bieber, Savale, it's a slight advantage, again, to Detroit, because Scooble has been excellent. fayetto has been solid in two starts, and Brisky, it's not like he's been bad. Um, at least when I thought I looked him up, his production was all right. It wasn't anything to necessarily... No, it's changed that. It was bad. He's the worst uh, pitcher there. So, I mean, it might just be a toss-up. It matters how much you want to get that. Like, Brisky and Savale are about the same level of awful. Uh, right now, Bieber and Fayetto. Fayetto is pitching better, but it's a small sample size. Uh, McKenzie has pitched well, but Tarek Skubal has been maybe the best pitcher in the American League in terms of uh, a lot of things in the early going. So that's why it's advantage to Detroit. And then bullpen, that's advantage Cleveland. Even with uh, the implosion the other day. Uh, Detroit doesn't have like anyone you really want to count on. Fulmer was great a year ago. He has not been good this year. Uh, Soto is the closer. He has been a little bit inconsistent. Andrew Chafin was the big guy to sign. I mean, Alex Lang has probably been their most productive um, bullpen arm. So it's, it, you know, this is a series, if I'm going through, Friday night is a huge advantage uh, to Detroit. And then Saturday, I toss up because I just don't know about Bieber I, I honestly have no idea it's crazy that I'm like I don't know and Sunday's huge advantage Cleveland so uh, you know I would lean into Bieber just because of how Detroit has played this year so two out of three uh you know isn't bad uh, to to quote uh, uh, a troubadour um I don't know what I'm doing uh let's yeah let's throw random references that were like outdated when I was a child uh we're going to take a break here. We're going to come back and talk about some minor league fun on today's episode of Locked on Guardians. What are you doing? Go to BuiltBar.com right now. I love Built Bar, and I've always shared my love of Built Bar. Uh, they sent me the first box, and I have been a fan ever since. The promo right now is Brownie Batter Puffs are back. You can get Brownie Batter. You can get... Oh, this is nice. Uh, well, here's the thing. They have a whole unlock and offer for a new customer, So, because I'm not currently signed in. And their special deal for a new customer is to save 15%. Guess what? You can always save 15% at BuiltBar.com using the promo code LOCK15. Not just one time, first time, always when you're using the promo code LOCK15. 
You can go get some brownie batter puffs. You can go get some birthday cake with sprinkles on top. That's right. It comes with sprinkles, and it still gets an A in my health food app. It is marshmallow covered in white chocolate with sprinkles on top, and it's an A in my health food app. It is clearly some kind of black magic, but it is black magic that is delicious and healthy for you. Go to BuiltBar.com today to use the promo code LOCK15. Again, always save you 15%. I use that when I buy uh, the best tasting protein bars I've ever had. Gets an A in my health food app, A in my heart, as I like to say. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCK15. You know, we've spent a lot of time kind of talking about the same prospects on this show. So let's let's get out of the high affiliates. Let's talk about some of these uh, lower-level affiliates. And if we're going to go down and start discussing, like, under-the-radar guys, players to look at, th- there's one name who's been popping more than any other. And that that's... Ta- uh, I almost said his name wrong. <laughs> you know, you make that statement, and then you get Tanner Bibby, Bibby, wrong. Uh, the Cal Fullerton pitcher who right now, you know, home run rate over one, that is there. But in 27 and two-thirds innings, 1.3 ERA, hit point nine of 6.5, walks per nine of two, and a strikeouts per nine of 14.6. I saw reports today, uh, I believe it was from Quincy on Twitter, and, you know, I've seen Justin talk about this and Will... uh, you know, he's he's getting upper 90s velocity. That was not his game. I believe when he was drafted, he was like the, you know, the full, he was your classic command control type. He was that type of guy down there uh, at Fullerton who was just like, but this is what they do best, right? This is exactly what I've talked about all this time. Yeah. So in college last year, as, you know, senior aged type of pitcher, uh, 6.7 strikeouts per nine at Cal State Fullerton in the Big West Conference. Walks per nine of 2.1. You know, that fit their model. Uh, the year before that, in 2020, he had a strikeout per nine over 10. But, of course, that is the very short season. Uh, and then his first two years at 9 and 7.5. He was never dominant in college. And, you know, Fullerton... You know, I'm not actually sure who's in charge there now. But the best way we can put it is for a long time, there was a coach at Cal State Fullerton who um, didn't care what happened once you left. Uh, He ruined a lot of arms. Uh, You know, so it's not him because Jason Dietrich was named their coach for uh, 21-22 but the former coach, whose name I'm blanking on, um, yeah, I mean, he just, he overused and did everything you're not supposed to do, uh, and a lot of arms paid the cost for it. There's, you know, a lot of players who ended up leaving Fullerton and having their arms blown out. It was one of those programs. Uh, you know, Bibby just, he was, you know, he fit their approach and their model, and they're so good at unlocking, you know, and I, I, people always talk about, what they do well in development. And I know I've had pushback about this idea. Well, they're not the best at, you know, teaching guys how to pitch. I'll stand by it. They, they don't, what they do, what their superpower is, isn't um, helping someone be better at commanding the fastball. It's like Yohan Ramirez. I, I don't think they're going to fix him. That's not what they've done historically. There's not a lot of wild guys who they've helped gain control. What they have done is what we're seeing here with Tanner Bibby where he's all of a sudden throwing upper 90s after being a low 90s guy 
what we've seen. I mean, Hunter Gaddis, we, who we had on the show a few weeks ago, it's like he was in 96 in his first year after being drafted. He, they find a way to unlock more. Uh, and they, you know, Tanner Bibby right now, with what he is showing on the mound, he should be in consideration for the top 10 prospects in the system. And I would not have put him in my top 30 before the year began, if I am being honest. It's a little bit unbelievable right now. So he's he is definitely the helium guy. I am not the first. I'm not the second. I'm not the 30th on him, but you have to talk about what he is doing. You can also look down there, second round pick, Doug Ninkesey is also missing a ton of bats, but he's also, the control has been an issue, and it's a really loud delivery. Uh, Mason Hickman was a guy back in 2020 I had really high hopes for just because, again, unlocking more. That's what they do best. That's their superpower. He is missing bats, but his control has been a bit of an issue so far this year. Again, small sample sizes, but it bears watching. And if you're like, who's performing well offensively, you know, Angel Martinez and uh, John Kesey Noel are kind of standing out, I would say. Uh, and Joe Naranjo, who we've talked about on the show a bunch. Uh, Gabriel Rodriguez is having a kind of a nice year for him. One of their bigger bonus players in recent years. Um John Kesey Noel and Joe Naranjo are both hitting for... Naranjo's already up to nine home runs and six doubles. Uh, he's not walking much, and neither of them are hitting for any average. And that's a bit of a flag for me at Lake County. Like, if you're already struggling to hit 240, uh, I know there's going to be people who are just like, you're a hater on Noel, and Naranjo was a guy you didn't... Nec- I, I wasn't as sold on him on draft day. But, I'm sorry, uh, John Kesey's the one with nine home runs. I misspoke. But they're both struggling to make contact, and that's that's uh, you know an issue. That's one of those things that you don't want to see. You don't want to see the high strikeout totals at this point in time. Uh, you know, it's, it's somewhat reminiscent of Bobby Bradley at those points in time. I know I'm going to get people. I know uh, Zach is going to be the one the ones to show me that that's not as great of a composite as uh, I think it is. But we'll have to see. I think, again, Angel Martinez right now, uh, six doubles, only the one home run, but just 19 strikeouts, 14 walks, hitting a 305 average. An infielder, one of those guys who has to be added to the uh, the 40-man. He's a switch hitter. He is definitely the guy to – and, you know, he had a lot of helium a year ago as well, a lot of steam on him. So if we move up to Lynchburg or down, I should say – uh, yeah, sometimes I still get those thrown around, which one's which. Uh, we talked about Milan Tolentino. He's no longer hitting 400. He's down to uh, 367. Equal walk to strikeout. Walked you know 22 times. On-base stuff looks excellent. No home runs, but seven doubles. Will Bartlett, uh, a little bit forgotten man, was like an eighth-round pick out of, I think I had an IMG. Uh, catcher first baseman. I bet he's mostly played first base back in... 2019 I want to say and let's see let me pull him up and see what he's playing this year he is playing yeah first base almost entirely uh but he's playing well you know it, it's he had a you know his, his everything got interrupted for him in the early going um but yeah no another player who is you know offensively producing at the plate Isaiah Green uh you know one of those pieces in the uh the Lindor deal by the way Go look at Lindor 
after the good start, he's struggling again. It's, I mean, I, one has to wonder, like, what is going on. Uh, but Green is, he's been okay. Like, nothing in particularly great or bad. What's actually interesting is, like, if you're looking just at OPS, fifth on the team, Jordes Valdez, who was, I believe, their second-round pick in 2019, he was one of the best defenders in that class. So if he can be close to a league average bat as a shortstop, that makes him incredibly valuable because he he could be a 65-grade shortstop. I always hate to put a 70 on anyone in low ball, but, yeah, I mean, he's there defensively. So when you're looking at the fact that he is actually performing like that, I'm like, okay, that is that gets my attention because we already know the, de- the defense is there. And you have to talk about Jake Fox. Again, all right, but he's walking at such a high rate, and, you know, he's 19. Like, age relative to the level matters. So, you know, there's that. In terms of the pitching, you know, Trey, you know, he's not a ton of innings. Trey Benton has been kind of a guy who we've seen the velocity go up on. Davis Sharp has had a lot of positive reports. He's probably the star at this level, if I'm being honest. And if you're wondering why he's the star, well, 1.06 ERA, a walk per nine of 1.6, and a strikeout per nine of 13.2. Uh, Jack Leftwich, one of those Florida arms who didn't develop properly in his time in Florida. 13.1 strikeout per nine, 2.7 walk per nine. Uh, Trent Denholm, Trenton Denholm, who I've connected to the Guardians uh, way back in 2020. I thought they might draft him. It was a shortened draft. They didn't get him. They came back and got him in day three last year. VRA, people are going to look at it at 548 and be like, what's the big deal? The the walks are high at 5.5, but he's kind of one of those guys who's learning how to harness stuff. He's another player who's seen his stuff jump since he joined this system. And you can keep going down. Uh, Will Dion, who was from you know a, a recent draft class, 11.2 strikeouts per nine, 2.6 walks per nine. They are, as a group down there, missing all of the bats. It's, it's a, Akron is a lot of fun. And, you know, obviously Lake County has its own set of, of fun players. I guess talking about, you know, I'm sitting there talking about uh, Tanner Beebe and Mason Hickman and the like. Uh, but, uh, you know, they've also got, like, Tommy Mace we didn't really get into, who was the second rounder last year. You know, Raymond Burgos and Matt Turner have been potential helium guys for me for a long time. I'd like to see what happens if either of them could actually stay healthy. Lenny Torres, I didn't even talk about down there. It's that's what's really fun if you're a Guardians fan, right? Like that they just have players for days throughout this system and that you have those sleepers that like I said, you can sit there and you know, how many people have legitimately really spent time in Tanner Beebe or Trenton Denholm and these guys who they just keep adding velocity. They keep finding ways, they keep finding more interesting arms and they just keep excelling in finding you know just I don't know if I want to say another level but yeah essentially they're fi- they're leveling up all of these arms and it's leading to this point where it's like every single level has at least three to four interesting arms we're gonna take a break uh, already gone super long I need to do a segment three so we're gonna do uh, like a 10 pick mock for segment three uh, just to kind of discuss what I've been not even what I'm hearing just what historical data shows. Listen, our good friends over at Bet Online, you know them. I, I, I need to go look at the lines later this week. Uh, tomorrow we'll go look at the the line for Friday, uh, just because. Again, I feel very strongly that uh, the Tigers should be huge favorites on Friday. The Guardians should be huge favorites 
on Sunday. So if that's your thing, you want to go to our partners at BetOnline, the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, so need to do the pause there. I Normally I pause the show to write that down, but I did not today because it's tired. <laughs> so the draft is really interesting. You know, I, I've talked about yesterday as I was live streaming the show that there is this essentially top um, six players. And then after that, all heck breaks loose, right? Um, and you have the Orioles at one. Now the question is, do they take the consensus talent? That has not been their MO since Adlai Rushman. But in that case, there was a clear number one, and they took the number one. Since then, they've gone well off board. Not well off board, but they've gone off board rather consistently. Uh, They have not drafted a high school player in the first round. Would they change that? And essentially, I think it's a three-horse race. You know, Drew Jones is the top player. Uh, Brooks Lee is the top college player, arguably. Uh, he also fits more some system needs, but he's probably a third baseman, which is also Gunnar Henderson, their top infield prospects position. So if you're getting down to it's like then the other guy you have to talk about is Jackson Holiday, where this is an organization bereft of shortstops. I've talked about that a lot of times when I've designed trades between the Guardians and the Orioles. And if the Orioles are picking one, the other thing is Jackson Holiday is kind of viewed to be, I feel like, you know, Jones and Green are the big bonus players. And that Holiday, and to a lesser degree, Tamar Johnson might be viewed as a little bit cheaper. So, it, for me, I honestly think it's going to be Lee or Holiday here. You know, in my old piece where I'd write over it's gone 24-7, I always did like a, a pick and then a sleeper. So it's like, I, I, think, I think they go Holiday because of their complete, total, and utter lack of shortstops and system. And that is such a valuable position, and it's kind of crazy that you know you look at the value that Houston placed on that position over the years the front office came from there and they've like ignored it um this is a good shortstop class you could get maybe a Mickey Romero in round two who's someone that I like I have in my top 30 players um he could be someone who they could conceivably get in the second round that origin Lutheran program is really strong uh people I talk to absolutely adore him like he is that guy who's gonna get but he's probably the guy who's gonna get drafted higher than people think like he has some big fans so I think you I, I think Holiday is the guy. I think he just keeps moving up boards and they'll feel comfortable taking Matt Holiday's son and getting that shortstop that their system does not have at all. So the D backs will go I, Drew Drew Jones isn't getting past them. And I do think he is gonna end up with Arizona. Uh you know, they love athletic profiles. He's the top player in the class. They don't have a problem, much like when Jordan Lawler was to some people who was the top player in last year's class. He was sitting there for Arizona, and they jumped. Uh, you can go with, like, when Corbin Carroll slid to them a few years ago. Uh, I mean, I loved Alec Thomas. I gave him a first-round grade. I thought he was—I did not understand his slide to round two. It's been to the benefit of the D-backs. So I think they will jump on Jones. So three is the Rangers. I see a lot of people talk prep with them. In the last three to four years, they've become one of the most conservative drafting teams. Uh, they used to be all upside, and you know what happened? 
they ended up with a very barren minors. You know, I can think back to when I was writing at Scout, and it was like um, Ariel Urado, Yoan uh, Melendez, and Leodes Tavares were like the three guys we discussed for them. And people loved all of them. And it's okay if you don't know any of them because, I mean, Tavares is kind of stuck around, but everyone else is kind of bounced. So, you know, Josh Jung was a little bit of an overdraft. Um, I'm trying to remember who they took last year. I know I should remember these things off the top of my head, but I, I just remember it was another college guy. Uh, I'm going to pause so I don't make myself look like a complete idiot when I'm wrong. Duh, Jack Leiters. <laughs> they took, yeah, you know, things get stuck in my head or don't. It's weird what sticks and what doesn't. They had the second overall pick. So, yeah, they've gone very prep heavy. I actually think uh, Kevin Parada from uh, Georgia Tech makes the most sense. Why? They've been a very conservative drafting team. Two, they don't necessarily have, I feel like, um, you know, a high, uh, you know, they went out and made that trade for Mitch Garver, hoping to fill their need at catcher, and it hasn't necessarily happened. Not to say that Parada is like a quick to the majors guy or anything like that, but you can never have too many catchers. You never have too many power hitters. He is both, um, you know, it's like they're, they're high end prospects. It's like Cole Wynn, Justin Foscue, Josh Jung, Jake, Jake, nope, Jack Leiter. They don't have that necessarily catcher of the future. And I think Kevin Parada is probably too good to pass on for them just in terms of what he can do and what they've looked at. Pirates at four, if they're looking to save money like a year ago, um, I think Brooks Lee makes sense. Much like Henry Davis, you're going to get the guy and then spread out your bonuses. Uh, They've gone, you know, the last front office went pretty safe. This front office could look to go pretty safe. If they were going prep here, I think they would go tomorrow over Green is my bet as well. So at five, I think the Nationals take Elijah Green. Um, They have always been in that front office. The approach is almost like, look at who the top player was the year before. Like, who were we talking about uh, for the 2021 draft as the 2020 draft was occurring? They like sliding talent. They like guys who uh, perception have shifted on a little. And that would be Elijah Green at five. So then at six, that leaves the Marlins. Now, would they go with Johnson here? Or would they go with one of the, you know, the college players? Would they look at, I, you know, I don't really see a pitcher there. They have just, you know, look at that front office. They took Khalil Watson. They took the prep player with ceiling. They took the the high chance outcome a year ago. They took the sliding talent. I think when you're sitting at six, you take whichever one of those six players is still there. I think they would go with Tamar Johnson. That's my view. So Cubs at seven, uh, you know, who would be here for the Cubs? Who is here? This is a little crazy. I think Cam Collier. Collier has some fans. I mean, Keith Law had him as top four or five. Uh, Son of Lou Collier, prep player, uh, one of the youngest players in the class, a reclassifier. I think... The Cubs, with some of the what they've done with uh, and with the new, not I say what they've done with the new front office in place, and you think about a lot of the things of Cleveland, you know, like age relative models, um, hitting ability, overall like outcome futures. Cam Collier fits. He's a Guardians model type. He would make sense to the Cubs there at seven. So the Twins, wait. Man, it's crazy to think the Twins are picking eighth. Like, it just totally broke my brain uh, when I was like, wait a second, the Twins are at eight? Uh, so 
I think Jace Jung is still there, and that's easy to, to jump on. You know, they... You're you're essentially looking at, like, Cross or Barry or Jace Jung. It's kind of... Or Daniel Susak, the Arizona catcher, are probably the, the catchers there. Uh, the high school arms, like Brock Porter and Dylan Lesko. In the, you know, prep hitters, uh, I'm trying to think who would even be with everyone I've had coming off the board, like who, I mean, maybe Justin Crawford would be the next guy up. I just think that looking at what they've looked at in terms of production, up the middle ability, things like that. uh, And Chase Jung's just a good value in my opinion, at least at eight Royals are at nine. Uh, they tend to just go pitcher, pitcher, pitcher of late. Um, there's part of me, you know, a few years ago, like Indiana, Indiana has had a bit of a rough, few years in terms of prep talent just not performing once drafted i think about when uh watson and rush uh, ash russell were both taken by kansas city like first and second round picks uh in kansas city's drafting of pitching has not yielded much for them of late but it seems to be they're just going to keep at it they went off board a year ago and i think it might be crazy but I just, you know, liking the big t- arms, liking everything. I think Noah Schultz is a guy to watch there. Six foot nine, lefty. You know, they they went off the board a bit with Frank Mezzakito, who was the the lefty with the good stuff, cold weather arm. You know, Schultz is a, a big lefty, good stuff. Uh, we know size is one of those things that does matter to uh, Drayton Moore. So I'm going to go a little off board there. Sorakis are ten. Now, you know, they love power. They love, um, you know, they, they, so they had been all college guys. And then the last two years, they've gone with like high ceiling um, prep talent. A pair of outfielders in the last two classes that are high ceiling types. If they're going to go high ceiling here, the, the guy to watch is Justin Crawford. Like, there's some some misconcerns. There's this and that. Um, if they want a similar guy to what they've recently targeted, it would be Crawford. That is the player that kind of fits that approach. Would they instead, you know, want to go for someone like uh, Gavin Cross, Jackson Berry? Potentially. Um, but I'm going to go with Crawford. I'm going to go a little bit off board here, a little crazy. Mets are at 11. Um, I think Daniel Susak, most people have there just because they need a long-term catcher. He has played very well. He's got bloodlines, catching his valuable position. They have multiple picks. They can gamble uh, a little bit with that pick. So with the Tigers at 12, uh, I would lean into one of the college guys. And I think Jackson Berry at this point in time, you might say, hey, they already have Torkelson. Isn't Barry just a lesser version? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he is, but they're just going to keep, I think, adding bats right now. Again, the pitching in this class is not good. So you're looking at Barry or Cross here, and I think they would go with the SEC production, just knowing that front office. Angels at uh, 13. Dylan Lesko is still on the board. Uh, the Tommy John surgery, of course, scaring people off, but... They, uh, you know, they weren't scared about Bachman a year ago, kind of picked him a little bit earlier, who was undersized and people were worried where it's going to have injury issues. 
Uh, I think they're just in a position where they can be like, okay, well, just grab the top pitcher in this class, and hey, we only get him because he's hurt. So the Mets at 14, I think they take cross. Like him being on the board is just a value at this point in time, so they'll double dip uh, the college grouping and just go out and land him. So it takes you to the 15 with uh, the Padres. I'm just trying to, at this point in time, I'm like, who is the most Padres-like player? And I think a year ago, did they go prep again? It was just like, for a long time, you know, they they did. With Jackson Merrill, it was a little bit different for them as late pick. I think Brock Porter still being on the board is probably too good to pass on. Um, he's just probably considered in most places the top prep player left. Uh, so... Yeah, and then that takes us to the Guardians at 16, and that's, fortunately, if you are a fan of this, uh, of other teams, well, this is Lockdown Guardians. I'm going to end here at 16. So when I'm going through and looking at the Guardians, you know, you do look at some age-relative models. You look at um, you know, what they've leaned into in recent years, types and players and the like. Um, I, that's, you know, like the worst description, but... The one name I keep coming back to is Logan Tanner. Uh, as a team that has been seeming to try to add catchers for what feels like forever. And, you know, they drafted Tanner Burns in the first round, right? So Logan Tanner makes some sense, just just based on names. But he's, you know, he's caught really good pitching at Mississippi State. So you're getting a guy who you feel like can handle his staff. He was walked almost 14% of the time during his college career, struck out, a little bit over 16% of his college career. So he's not missing a ton. Uh, he hit 15 home runs a year ago. He's down to seven this year. So he's not hitting for as much power. If he had that power he had a year ago, he'd probably be off the board. Sorry, I had to run and fix something. Oh, super long again today. But he's a legit catcher. He can handle the staff. He is not going to, let's see, uh, he's not necessarily young for the class. Let's see, he'll turn 22 in November. But he's been highly productive uh, caught, you know, strong pitcher pitching. Nope. He uh, he caught. Yeah, he caught. Wow, brain is just falling apart. Listen, he can handle the position. He has played well at the highest level. Uh, he is probably the best defender of those three college arms with Susak and Parada. May have the lowest offensive upside of that group, but he is the the surest defender, and he's done it in the best conference of the three of them. And he's been a starter pretty much from the day he got there. Well, 2020 is a weird year. But outside of that, you know, in walk rate is good. The strikeout rate, like he has good contact rates, which we know matter as well. So I'm just going to say for a team that has seemed to put a focus on acquiring more catching depth, here is a kid who has the contact rates, can handle the position, and is a strong defender already. Just keep that in mind when it comes to the 16th overall pick in the Cleveland Guardians. I've been Jeff Ellis. This has been the Lockdown Guardians podcast for today. A longy, but we covered a lot of topics. Uh, so I want to thank everyone for listening, reading, and reviewing. Ratings have been going way up. Uh, when you do leave a rating, I say a thank you on the show. Now, the actual rating and reviewing haven't gone up, but by ratings, I mean like downloads, listens. The YouTube has been, we're getting over 100 views for pretty much every full video. So I want to thank everyone who's doing that. Make sure to do the little thumbs up, like, and subscribe. Tell a friend all those fantastic things to continue to help the grow sh- the show grow. I've been Jeff Ellis. You can follow me on Twitter at Jeff MLB Draft. And as I end every show, go, go, Guardians, go.